0: From calling out corrupt politics, citing the United States Constitution, to explore an American history, you're the Relentless Patriots. Now, without further ado, here is the most relentless patriot of them all, Relentless Patriot Frank. Good evening, everyone out there in Relentless Patriot land. Relentless Patriot Frank here with another Relentless rant. We're talking about history, and what has happened to this great country. And um, all you guys have to do is look no further than, than what's been going on with our youth and what's being taught to them. If you guys have, have uh, had a chance to check out my other live videos, I have gone over, you know, over several different types of articles in which how the youth has been infected with this terrible, terrible type of mentality. And what's happened to them and why it's happened to them and who is behind it and who is controlling it. Right. So I, I first want to start by, again, thanking everyone for being here. And um, as usual, on the Facebook live channel, we have a, we have a option for someone to come on to speak it. They would like forever. Hold your peace, of course. But you're always welcome to come on and speak your mind. OK, especially when it comes to all sorts of affairs in terms of being in America. Right. And being an American. So let's dive right into a story that I wanted to read. I came across this article and i um, this is from a, a Nigerian news reporter, and this kind of cross links to what I said last week about the slave trade and how human sex trafficking is is still to this day going through Nigeria like wildfire in terms of human sex trafficking. And you know the reason why you see a lot of African American, you know, especially uh, you know women, teens, etc., have been sex trafficked or kidnapped and been brought to Nigeria, and then, you know, sold through Saudi Arabian princes, et cetera, et cetera, or even through Sicily, et cetera, which is where my family's from. It's it's horrible, and I think you guys all know why it's horrible, because people are getting kidnapped, right, and no one knows where they're, where they're going. Well, one of these articles just proves to this day that, yeah, it's still going on. Now, this person, okay, is a Nigerian journalist, a novelist. Her name's very hard to pronounce, but let's, let's see if we can do it, right? So Adeobi Obi, Trisha Niwabani. okay? She writes as she writes saying that one of her ancestors sold slaves, literally sold slaves back in the day, uh, but argues that she, even herself, should not be judged by today's standards or values, because that's what her ancestors did. Their ancestors were Nigerian, right? They were from Africa, right? So amid the global debate about race relations, colonialism, and slavery, some of the Europeans and Americans who made their you know made their fortunes, unfortunately, in trading human beings, have seen their legacies reassessed. Right, their statues toppled and their names removed from public buildings. However, however, not needless to say that we agree with that, do we? But we should still call out the other you know hypocrisies that have happened, especially when it comes to other Nigerians. In Nigeria selling their fellow man across seas still to this day okay now this again this Nigerian news reporter or journalist reports about her great-grandfather okay and, and she goes on to says or he goes on to say this right I prefer to call a businessman that's what my great-grandfather was he was from the Igbo ethnic tribe or a group of southeastern Nigeria. He dealt in a number of goods, including tobacco and palm produce. He also sold human beings. He had agents who captured slaves from different places and brought them to him, my father used to tell me. Crazy. Okay, now, the slaves were sold through the ports of Calabar and Bani in the south of what is today known as Nigeria. People from ethnic groups along the coast such as the Efik and the Eljaw or Eljai, usually acted as stevedores for the white merchants and as middlemen for Igbo traders like my great grandfather. They loaded and offloaded ships and supplied the foreigners with food and other provisions. They negotiated prices for slaves from the hinterlands, then collected royalties from both the sellers and the buyers. About 1.5 million slaves were shipped across the Atlantic Ocean between the 15th and 19th century. I want you guys to remember that number real quick. 1.5 million slaves, okay? Now, that number may not seem like a lot according to today's standards. Now, let's go back to how many have been human sex trafficked in the past year. 400,000. And a total of 8.4 million over the past five years and yet people want to talk about slavery slavery that happened hundreds of years ago i mean seriously folks like more than 1.5 million africans were shipped to what was the what was then called the new world the americas through the calabar port making one of the largest points of exit during the transatlantic slave trade so we're talking about west central africa we're talking about north central africa we're talking about the whole entire west coast of Africa. Okay? And they were brought everywhere. To South America. To the Caribbean. To certain parts of the northern U.S. And the southern U.S., obviously, right? But like 1.5 million slaves, and everyone's getting into a hubbub over that that amount of number. But yet, yet, when it comes to human sex trafficking, everyone's freaking asleep. Why is that? You know, and this journalist goes on to say, assessing the people of Africa's past by today's standards would compel us to cast the majority of our heroes as villains. And she's exactly right, because why would we we want to say anything about the heroes and make them into villains, like such as Christopher Columbus, right? Or such as Robert E. Lee, such as George Washington. Why would anybody want to say those people are villains when they didn't even live during that time? It would be unfair to judge a 19th century man by 21st century principles. And I think you guys can understand that. And people like you and me, who happen to be of a lighter shade of color, often chastise or guilt tripped over it. You know, I had uh, watched a video recently, speaking of, uh, of this uh, police precinct in Woodbridge, New Jersey. We have your back, by the way. Respect the blue line through and through, right? There was this one man conducting interviews with all these teenagers, these 17 and 18-year-old teenagers that are a part of Black Lives Matter at the police station. And I'm saying to myself, why are they even there? Who would you call if you were in trouble? Your mom, your dad? It'd be too late. Why are you protesting against police in which you've never had a bad experience with a police officer, but yet there you are, you know, the 12 of you, saying bad things, you know, throwing stuff at them, and they're just sitting there and taking it. And you want to act like you're oppressed? Why are you oppressed exactly? You guys all go to you know, prestigious schools, and you all have you know, decent uh, homes that you go back to. Mostly, most of your families are intact. they're not divorced. What do you have to complain about exactly? And that's the whole thing that I'm talking about now, guys. Like if you look at the lot the, the majority of these groups and, tr- and how they're trying to compare, you know, the, sla- the slave trade of the past, Versus slave trade of today and act like it's still here. It's not. It's here, but in a different way. There's no one in chains really in America. I mean, guys, get your behinds in gear now. Get your rears in gear, per se, and start marching and start, you know, calling out the real villains in society. Right. These amoebas, these people that act like they know better than everyone else, when they didn't even pick up a damn history book and understand what communism, socialism or Marxism is. This is ridiculous. As a patriot, we have a duty, don't we? And the duty is to stand up against these people who pretend that they're oppressed when they're really not. You want to fight for your rights? Okay, here, here's here's what you got to do. Get a job. Don't break the law and set the example for the rest of America or rest of the youth. Or the people that have come after you. That's how you're not oppressed anymore. You can do it. I made several videos months ago about saying how you can also pick up and leave. And I've shared lots of videos saying you can pick up and leave from the server. You know, from the you know, from the urban places, from the inner cities in which you're not happy with. You can pick up and leave. You can do it. We have plenty of resources available to you to help you, aside from the ones that have already been given to you through the government. By the way, right now. Assessing the people of Africa's past by today's standards would compel us to cast the majority of our heroes as villains, like I said, denying us the right to fully celebrate anyone who is not influenced by Western ideology. And of course, as you know, this is wrong. Slave traders like this Nigerian journalist's great grandfather did not suffer any crisis of social acceptance or legality. They did not need any religious or scientific justifications for their actions They were simply living the life in which they were raised that's all they knew so you can't compare what had happened to the past and what's going on now and say that people like me owe you something you know if you talk to the majority of immigrants that have come from all over the country right have come from india have come from you know different parts of the middle east china all parts of asia lots of Europeans that love coming here. If America was so racist, why does everyone still want to come here and reap the benefits of being an American? You guys really have to ask yourselves that question. So you know what the problem is, guys? The problem is there's too much entitlement going on. You know, this brings me back to my original point. What is wrong with America today? There's tons of entitlement, tons of people that feel like they're not making an impact. Well, look, all you have to do is make an impact to the person next to you good enough where you guys can start living life together and help each other out. That's all you need to do is set the example. Like like the most popular story I've ever heard of, of or success stories I've ever heard of is people working hard, getting an education, not making an excuse and doing what they need to do regardless of race. I know successful people from every origin. And they're not sitting here and acting like this is 19th century or 17th century slavery. You guys have to understand the differences here, right? Now, the Nigerian journalist goes on to say, the most most famous story I've heard about my great-grandfather was how he successfully confronted officials of the British colonial government after they seized some of his slaves. So we're talking about a Nigerian slave owner in which British officials told me he can't have slaves, and he confronted them, saying, no, it's my right to have slaves. And this is in Nigeria. The slaves are being transported by middlemen, along with a consignment of tobacco and palm produce. My great-grandfather apparently did not consider it fair that his slaves had been seized. I mean, there you go. It's, it's ridiculous. Buying and selling of human beings among the Igbo tribe had been going on long before the Europeans arrived. Here's your proof in the pudding right here. People became slaves as punishment for crime, payment for debts, or prisoners of war from other, you know, um, local nations or neighboring tribes. The successful sale of adults were considered an exploit for which a man was hailed by praise singers akin to exploits in wrestling, war, or in hunting animals like the lion. Igbo slaves served as domestic servants and laborers. They were sometimes also sacrificed in religious ceremonies. Jesus. So you mean african American, you know, or Africans, sorry, Africans from Nigeria were, were, were doing religious ceremonies and doing human sacrifices and burying alive other Nigerians, along with their masters, to attend with them in the next world? So did, can you guys recall a time where a slave was buried alive? No. Like, and this didn't happen very, you know, very long ago. I'd say at least a hundred years ago in Nigeria. Why isn't anyone talking about that? Slavery was so ingrained in, ingrained in the culture that a number of popular Igbo proverbs make reference to it. Anyone who has no slave is his own slave. This is in Nigeria, folks. A slave who looks like a slave who looks on while a fellow slave is tied up and thrown into the grave with his master should realize that the same thing could be done. To him or her someday. It is when the son is being given advice that the slave learns. The arrival of European merchants offering guns, mirrors, gin, or other exotic goods in exchange for humans massively increased demand, leading people to kidnap others and sell them. Like, so everyone wants to say how you know the Europeans kind of forcefully took people, but that's not exactly the case, according to this Nigerian journalist. And I want you guys to remember this. Okay, because this is just one story out of a thousand where, you know, Africans from different tribes would sell each other out for goods. And of course, it doesn't make what the white people, you know, or the Europeans did correct. Like, why would you need human labor? Oh, I get it. So you can build more ships so you can build your society. I mean, you need people in order to build. But back then, things were different. You couldn't exactly pay everyone. I understand. No one should be owning slaves at all. Especially back then or in this day and age, but we cannot compare the two times. Again, they were two different times, guys. And here's some thing, here's some uh uh I guess how how slaves were traded in Africa. Here's some little tidbits here. European buyers tended to remain at the coast, they didn't travel into Africa, okay? African sellers brought slaves from the interior on foot. Journeys could be as long as 300 miles. Two captives were typically chained together at the ankle. Columns of captives were tied together by ropes around their necks. 10 to 15% of captives died along the way. And this is from the, this uh, source is from the Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, from uh, back in the 90s. But like, it goes to show you that people did the research a long time ago about slavery. You know, I just want to, again, welcome everyone to the Ritless Patriot Nation. We're talking about slavery and how, um, you know, the the importance of, again, looking at history to see where we are today and to see why what people are standing for now is not the same thing as what happened back then. How you doing, sir? Good to see you. You know, um, guys, this is very, very important. You got to do your history. You got to look up things in which the left, does not tell people to do, does not tell the youth to do. That's why you're seeing what you're seeing. I mean, this is my fifth video probably about how we all need to wake up to what's been going on, right? And how we need to do the research so we can properly educate the youth as to what exactly happened in the past. Not about what they're being taught by their hippie liberal professors. And that's another thing. We need to start rising up against that action right? They have their own action, they have their own resistance, then we need to have our own finally, once and for all. Get rid of them, throw them out, make sure that they can never hold a teaching position ever again. They want to cancel patriotism, I'd say we cancel liberalism. And I think all of you might be on board with that at this point. Okay, now, the article goes on to talk about resisting abolition. So we're talking about the Nigerian tribes, if you're just tuning in, and now the Nigerian tribes used to sell out their own people, and we're proud. Because if you had slaves as a Nigerian, you were considered one of status. Now, the trade in in African people continued until 1888, when Brazil became the last country in the Western Hemisphere to abolish it. Brazil became, I'll say that again, when Brazil became the last country in the Western Hemisphere to abolish it. People want to act like America was the last one, but I'm sorry. We were actually the first one and the only one. In comparison to the rest of the world, which still sells slaves, which still captures, you know, teenagers and women and children and sells them all across the world. And the only people that are able to hold any of that in secret is, as you guys know, our politicians, the Democrat leaders, the disgusting, vile Hollywood, you know, corrupt elites. These people need to be brought out in the open once and for all. And labeled, chastised, and burned, if you ask me. I am tired of watching them get away with whatever they're doing, and everyone's just sitting back just waiting for the show. And we can just go ahead and do it already. We already know what the, you know, what they've been up to already, right? So again, Brazil became the last country in the Western Hemisphere to abolish slavery. And people want to act like America's bad. <laughs> When the British extended their rule to southeastern Nigeria in the late 19th century and early 20th century, they began to enforce abolition through military action. So we're talking about even the British thought slavery was bad. But by using force rather than persuasion, many local people, such as my great grandfather, may not have understood that abolition was about the dignity of humankind and not a mere change in economic policy that affected demand and supply. We think this trade must go on. One local King said infamously in the 19th century, that is the verdict of our Oracle and our priests. They say that your country, however great can never stop a trade ordained by God. And that that's just sad. That's just sad. You know, and there was a, there was a society that was formed in 1799 by British anti-slavery campaigners called the Missionary Society, if you guys want to look it up. As far as my great-grandfather was concerned, he had a bona fide trading license from the Royal Nigerian Company, a British company that administered commerce in the region in the last quarter of the 19th century. So when his property was seized and aggrieved, his name was uh, Noabani Agogo. That was the name of her great-grandfather. Boley went to see the colonial officers responsible and presented them with his license. They released his goods and his slaves. The white people apologized to him later on, her father would say. There's a picture of him right here. <laughs> Person who's, a, who would have thought, a Nigerian who's actually proud to have Nigerian slaves or slaves from neighboring tribes. That's just it, just goes to show you there were many of those like that, and they got rich quick, right? Because he used to often trade for goods. People would act like, you know, Oh, you you got to apologize for what your ancestors did. And I'm like, well, my ancestors were actually enslaved, but I'm not looking to have Egypt or North Africa or different parts of Spain apologize for enslaving my ancestors because that's where they're mainly from. I'm not going to sit here and ask for reparations that happened 300 years ago, and I'm not going to apologize for being mostly white. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys shouldn't, you know, should feel the same way. You Should never apologize for who you are. Now, let's talk about slave trade in the 20th century. We're going to fast forward a little bit from the 15th all the way to the 17th. We go to the 20th century. Okay? Now. Now, there's a there's another part of this article that goes to say from an Igbo historian, again from Nigeria. The person's name is Adiel Afif Kibo. Described the slave trade in southeastern Nigeria which lasted until the late 1940s and into the early 1950s as one of the best-kept secrets of the British colonial administration. While the international slave trade ended, the local trade continued. So we're talking about Nigeria here, folks. The government was aware of the fact that the coastal chiefs and the major coastal traders that continued to buy slaves from the interior. He added that the British tolerated the ongoing trade on political and economic grounds, They needed the slave trading chiefs for effective local governance and for the expansion and growth of legitimate trade. So slavery was the main reason why they had an expansion and growth, guys, all the way up to the 1950s. So a lot of these historians say, and that just goes to show you how sad and how gullible the youth of today rather say America was the worst slave trading nation in the entire world when that's not the case. The fact of the matter is only 3% of the population back then had slaves, 3% of the Southern population. And that just goes to show you, that just goes to show you that we really, really, really have to start getting involved in educating our youth and letting them know what the real issues are and what they really should be protesting and marching with us about. Okay, not against us. That's one of the big problems I think a lot of people have. No one wants to actually listen. We'll look up history. Now, like, let's go back to that great-grandfather real quick. Okay? We're talking about a man who successfully, you know, confronted the white powers from overseas and said, no, you're not going to take my slaves. So a Nigerian person said, no, you're not going to take my slaves. It's not your business. But meanwhile, some British anti-slave campaigners, said, no, it is our business. Slavery is wrong. We're going to get rid of it. So what's right and what's wrong here, guys? You, people want to say that all white people are bad? No, I don't think so. And we don't need to judge, label, or whatever. You know, and um, it just goes to show you that the records back then and how the UK uh, actually helped abolish slavery back then, it was the beginning of a mutual relationship, Right? between the colonists and the local tribe leaders in Africa that were willing to end slavery with them. You know, and here's a little bit of facts for you. In 1833, parliament outlawed slavery in most British colonies. In 1834, the law officially took effect. 800,000 slaves were freed. 20 million pounds were allocated to pay for damages suffered by owners and zero compensation for freed slaves. So these these owners in Nigeria were also paid. If people want to talk about reparations, the slave owners got paid. (laughs) That was the reparations back then for their inconvenience of ending slavery. You believe this crap? And people want to talk about how we owe the slaves something. We don't owe anybody anything. That's That's a crock of nonsense. And I want you guys to remember that. And, um, it just goes to show you how Britain, yeah, they helped end slavery, but then they played, you know, they they paid the slave traders off and saying, "Hey, hey, you know, no more slavery. Here's some money. Now stop." You know, and um, meanwhile, America, forget it. America, when when America ended slavery, we didn't pay slave owners to stop. We said, "No, you're going to stop, or we're going to obliterate you off the face of the earth." And I think a lot of the youth need to understand this lesson. Most importantly. So that that is my you know take on this from one article in one occurrence in one situation but goes on to say that there were at least 50,000 slave owners in Africa. 50,000. How many slave owners did we have in America exactly? Can anyone real quick tell me what a number is if you know it? Please educate the rest of us. 50,000 slave owners. In Africa, guys, and I can tell you guys this much. You need to look at the facts, You need to look at the history and where slavery really, 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 really originated from. Not where it went to, but where it came from and why. And a lot of people rather stay Oh well, you know that doesn't that doesn't matter. They'll still continue to dismiss the facts. That doesn't matter. We're still oppressed to this day. You don't understand what it's like to be a person of color. Well, guess what? I am a person of color. We're all shades of a color, and I do understand what it's like to be, uh, or like that, or what's what it's like to have racism said against me because I've had several things said to me in my lifetime, and still to this day. I've had things said to me in my lifetime, but I'm still not going to sit here and be judged for those names. I don't think a lot of you will be judged either. You're not going to sit back and say, well, and paint, you know, take a brush and paint everyone as racist who has called you a racist thing. No, there are bad people from every nation, from every ethnicity, but there are more good than bad. Now, the the, the second part of the, my relentless rant I want to talk to you guys about is about an interesting conversation I had with someone who, was, who used to live here and moved to the Middle East. He's a good friend of mine, but unfortunately, he is brainwashed into thinking America is a very, very bad country. Now, here are the reasons why. Because America has ruined every single place it's been to. Now, I know a lot of you that are watching are like, what, well, what do you mean? And everywhere America has been, there's always been some type of a conflict, but that's OK, because we have a choice to fight against tyranny and, communi- and communism He was like saying, well, we, you know, America needs to stay out of our country. When meanwhile, Trump is actually helping you guys because you actually asked for his help. What part of help do you not understand? And meanwhile, you're going to tell us to stay out. You know how many Middle Eastern countries have asked us for assistance in terms of toppling their own tyrannical regimes? And people want to act like America was responsible for formulating um, all these terrorist groups when then that's not the case, when they all said no, America has nothing to do with this or that all America should die and should burn. Now I do believe that some American insurgents and people from overseas were part of these operations. but I do not believe as a whole that American that, that the American government would dare say or dare tell people that we should all join, the ISIS movement to go against America and to make America look bad so we can supply weapons and then fight. I mean, if you ask me, that's a CIA, a ridiculous notion. But you never know. Yeah, you know, but the fact of the matter is, everywhere America goes, they help. It's unfair to say that America is bad everywhere it goes. And what America does now. Does not dictate what it does later, et cetera, et cetera. We cannot judge our country. Our country is there to help the majority of the world. Otherwise, why would we want to fund every other country that we go to war with to help them rebuild? Like we helped refund Japan. We gave the Saudis plenty of money when Obama was, you know, reigning supreme. Like we gave. Um, I think I believe we helped North Korea with their little political campaign after Kim Jong Un kind of failed miserably. We gave money to all these nations in which that we we had a problem with to help them. You know, so if you want to about, talk about reparations, I mean, <laughs> there you go. But that's neither here nor there. Everywhere America is, they've tried to defy communism, defy tyranny, right? And serve. And serve the rest of the world in this case. I do not believe America is a terrorist network. They act like America is the virus. So this person just kept, zeros, you know, didn't understand what was going on, didn't understand what I was trying to tell them. And I said, look, at the end of the day, you moved from America to the country of your choice. And are you happier there? And that person said, yes, I am. I said, okay, well, if you're so happy there, then why are you so concerned with what we're doing? And I had a very similar conversation to a socialist friend of mine. Well, until I found out he was a socialist, I didn't know he was a socialist until he came out and said, tear all the statues down. And I love, you know, free health care for my government. Meanwhile, this person's in Canada and claims that this and claims that he loves America. I'm sorry, but if you're for socialism and you agree with tearing down statues, you don't love America. And you have no right to say it. And I'll be the first one to tell you that if you weren't told that already. I I think it's just ridiculous that people have their own version of America in their heads and then they want to say, well, if it's not this way, it needs to be this way. It needs to change. It needs to change because we want it to change. And that's a bunch of crap, guys. That's your own utopian notion that you that you know, that you rather stick with and, and go with rather than just understanding what this country is about, how it was formed and how your constitution and amendment rights should be considered sacred at this point. You do not have time to be part of this oppression Olympics, especially when you are not oppressed and especially when you never experience racism. You know, and, and here's the thing about Antifa and these little sycophants, these traitors. They're not oppressed. Have you taken a good look at them? Most of them are hanging out at Starbucks with the, and buying expensive coffee or, you know, living inside a mommy and daddy's basement have you taken a good look at these people, how disgusting and vile they are, and then they want to go out and commit anarchy, you know, spray paint ar- anarchy signs all over the place and commit devil-worshipping acts on top of the statues which they pulled off? Do you guys really, really, like, know what we're up against? It seems like we're up against Satan, but I, I highly advise you not to be afraid because that would just be silly. But if you take a good look at our opposition, it's not just them we have to worry about because that's that's what the elites, the liberal, you know, the true liberal anarchists, the higher ups, if you want to call them that, these pedophiles, these George Soros type of people, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, etc. That's what they have done to our youth. It's vile and disgusting. And we as patriots need to start waking people up and saying, no, this isn't right. And we need to start marching against those reasons and get these kids, get get to the, get their heads out of their asses so they can join us in our fight for freedom. Because at this point, that's what it is. It's tyranny versus liberty. And we need to know that we're in trouble. And that we should not be sleeping on this issue no longer. You know, and it, it just goes to show you that Antifa, even, even yesterday, I mean, they, they call themselves peaceful protesters. Or Black Lives Matter, they call themselves peaceful protesters, but yet everywhere they go, there's always violence. There's always hateful rhetoric being spewed. There's always things being said in which is highly offensive to, to people that happen to be white. And people want to sit there and act like, oh, they're, they're peaceful. They're, they're they're for against the you know the, the corrupt regime and and you know you know you don't understand what it's like. And all they want to do is backpedal, backpedal, and make excuses. Let me tell you, morons, this. Your excuses are over. We, the American people, have had enough of your nonsense. And we will fight you. We will stand up. Even actions are being taken right now. There's several lawsuits against Black Lives Matter. I'm happy to see that. And I'm pretty sure you guys have seen that as well. Several lawsuits happening against people that have suffered at the hands of Black Lives Matter And I don't even want to call them protesters anymore. I want to call them activists. And they're activating for Antifa. They're activating for anarchy. That is the cold, hard truth, ladies and gentlemen. And we got to be aware of this. You know, and the thing is, have you taken a good look at Minneapolis? Like 200 more just recently, actually eight hours ago, applied to leave the department. That's 20% of the entire police force. 20% of the entire police force is applying to leave when Minneapolis, for the most part, looks like a nuclear bomb went off at the center of their city. And that's the thing. Oh, the the media only wants you to see that. Well, guess what? That's where all the damage is. This is what happens when we don't educate our youth. This is what happens when people rather sit there and act like the government's the answer. There are several reasons why to deny socialism, communism, and Marxism, guys. So... In order to stand up, there are several more rallies that are coming up. I just want to make a quick announcement. Okay. So coming up this Saturday, there's a very important rally in which I hope all of you can attend. Okay. Now, this rally is going on. i bring up the date for you in a second here. Okay. And I also post all this stuff in the announcements page on Facebook. So you haven't joined our Facebook group. That's where I put most of the, you know, or I try to take a picture of the event. Um, A very important event coming up. Okay. There's actually two of them. On July 20, here we go, July 25th, this Saturday, there's a Back to Blue demonstration, two-hour march, in Nassau County, New York, at Eisenhower Park. Okay. It goes from 2 to 4 p.m. I hope you guys are there. The next one, because I'm definitely going to that one. That's going to be big. It seems like there's going to be at least 3,000 people that are going. Okay. The next one, I hope you guys, and this is an important one for those of you that live in New Jersey or not, still come and support and help us because we are rallying against Governor Murphy. And I've been part of the Open New Jersey group for quite some time now. And I'm very excited to be a part of that group because we're getting stuff done. We are marching against tyranny. And that's important. Okay, this is a rally to vote Murphy's executive powers away while Congress and the Senate is in session. And while while they're live in front of everyone, we're going to be there. At least a thousand people are going to show up. So I really hope to see you guys there. July 30th. Okay, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. There's a Columbus statue, you know, celebration going on also in between. And that's going on on July 29th, which is a Wednesday at 6 p.m., at Dowling Gardens in Woodland Park, a.k.a. West Patterson. So just make sure you're on your, you know, best behavior there and just stay aware and wait, you know, be wary of what's going on because huge BLM influences around there. Okay. And I know, and you know, and I know that they'll do whatever it takes to tear down any statue or take down any patriot all in the name of oppression. Okay. So let, let's get going and talking about other things that have been on your mind. Again, if you are willing to come on and talk and talk about your experiences, please feel free to do so. We on the Relentless Patriot Nation have one goal and one goal in mind to get everyone involved with patriotism, to educate our youth. It is very important at this time to spread the message in which patriots, patriots need to rise. The silent majority will no longer, no longer. Accept what's going on. Because what I can tell you guys is this. What I can tell you guys is this. If we continue to allow the things that are going on as okay, then that's that's what the new normal is going to be. Whether it be this COVID hoax, whether it be wearing the mask, whether it be okay, everyone needs to owe everyone else reparations, and then you'll really see racial relations go down the tube if that happens, right. So we all need to wake up to all these little things and then mandated vaccines for everyone. Like, it's just, it's grossly, you know, you guys know what I'm about to say. But let's get on board together and start rallying, protesting, marching, whatever we can do to help each other, not hurt each other. In order to reach the youth, my friends, we have to reach them in such a way where we, yeah, unfortunately, we have to deal with empathizing with them a little bit, but at the same time, at the same time, we must be firm, we must be vigilant, and we must be relentless and show them why it's important to be a patriot, not conform to all the bad things that this country has done. Every country has done bad things. And going back to what I was saying with my friend who moved from here all the way back to the Middle East because it was just so much better there, I say this to you. I say this to you. Why? Why would you think America is bad when you lived here for the majority of your life and you made lots of money, and then you want to act like you're the oppressed? Now it's your, it, you know, it's all America's fault. It's all the, you know, the, uh, you know, he kept going back to the Zionists. It's all the Jews' faults, and I said you can't, you can't again paint the broad brush. You're doing the same thing that you've done to any other white person or a patriot like myself. And meanwhile, you know me. I was very respectful to you. But yet, you want to sit there and paint a broad brush over everything that I, who I am as a person, and you want to label me for loving my country. When meanwhile, you love the place that you went to. And And let me tell you this. Your country isn't exactly squeaky clean either. You've had slaves there too for a very long time. You've enslaved your people for a very long time. You've had dictators reign there for a very long time. Now we have a we have a message coming in from a relentless patriot on Instagram what are your thoughts on the teachers unions holding everyone hostage well teachers unions go go about it you can go about that two different ways i had read an article the other day about how how it, the national teachers association across the country is going to get rid of police officers that are guarding their their you know their facilities right the schools And that's that's number one. The teachers are now advocating that police are, you know, doing racist things against black and brown students. So therefore they just have to get rid of them. And that 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 ticked me off. Second thing, the teachers unions, in my opinion, should be abolished at this point because of what they're doing to our youth. They're not teaching our youth correctly. People want to, you know, if you look at Candace Owens stats about the inner cities, especially in the inner cities. The majority of the inner city community, these kids still can't read English. They can't write it too well. They're terrible in math. They're on the smallest percentile with education. So and these teachers are getting paid and they're still getting their you know checks at the end of the day. And people want to act like it's the best thing ever. Oh, let's let's keep educating and keep pushing people through the system. And then we're going to get paid more money or we're going to demand more money. And I think that's a terrible thing you know if you want if you want to see unions do better then start taking away all the benefits that they have and maybe you'll see a change in how they educate our youth instead of instead of acting like this country is terrible and teaching them that you'd see a change you know hopefully that answers your question because you know there's a lot of teacher unions that are good about you know treating the the teachers well especially in private schools but at the same time as a whole, our public education system needs a huge makeover. And I'm pretty sure you can understand that, you know, and um, based upon what I've seen, I wasn't too thrilled with my own public education to begin with. So I left and went to a private school for the remainder of two years of my high school education. Everyone should have a choice to be homeschooled at this point, too, especially when they're forcing, forcing kids to wear masks this year and, and have small classrooms like 10 to 15 students, as if that's going to change anything. It's not going to change the way you teach. And then you're going to let these kids wear masks 24-7 at the school. You got to be crazy. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that public schools have to change because anything the government wants them to do, guess what they're going to do? They're going to teach whatever they're told to teach. And you're absolutely right. You know, like, I'm sure a lot of you guys agree with that. There's a big problem in our country, especially with the liberal indoctrination, because liberal school teachers are the majority in this, you know, in this nation. We need to start with them first. We got to get rid of them first. We got to fight back with them first because they're the ones that are getting away with all this nonsense. And, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys all know that they're teaching all this anti-American rhetoric. They are. And it's time for us to stand, guys, as one. Right. And say, hey, and say no. No. To all these, you know, you know, mandated raises that they get for, you know, spewing anti-American rhetoric 24-7. It's time to say no to wearing masks, never children, you know, uh, you know, conform to that or stay home. And if they do stay home, I would recommend homeschooling them. Screw it. Go for it. You know. So, yeah, going going back to what I was saying before, I think. um, Based upon what has happened. Over the past couple of weeks, it looks like there hasn't been any progress made towards absolutely annihilating BLM, except for you know trying to sue them. No one has fought back. Everyone knows where their headquarters is, so I don't understand why don't we just fight back already? Why don't we just fight back? We have to fight back. And the problem the problem with fighting back is who is gonna do it, who's brave enough, and who's actually gonna stand? Who is gonna stand? against this tyrannical movement. Who's going to stand against Antifa? We're going to let the police do it, sure. But sooner or later, guys, ladies and gentlemen, Antifa is going to reorganize like they always do. They're going to start recruiting more and more of these losers, these degenerates, and then do this all over again. And the next time you're going to see it is going to be catastrophic. Call me a prophet or not. It's going to be ridiculous about the amount of damage that they're going to do if they're continued to allow to do it. You know, like I just read another article about um, how Pelosi is now calling the coronavirus the Trump virus. And of course, she's doing it on CNN, and that's pathetic, as you guys know. There's no excuse at this point. And like everyone's, you know, just sitting there and saying, oh, we're going to believe Pelosi because she cares about us. You know, you idiots, Pelosi is one of the, the few people that call Trump a racist for wanting to close down the borders early so the virus wouldn't come from China anymore. And you want to keep, you kept your, your San Francisco district per se open for a longer period of time before Trump can close you down. Who's the real racist? (laughs) Who's the real idiot? Who's the real anti-American? Absolutely. uh, On our Instagram show right here, our nation here, it relentless patriot nation. It's so sad, but I don't know what it's going to take for a people to be able to stand up. Look at Turkle Carlson. Yeah, Tucker Carlson's the man. This is twice his home address has been or will be publicized. And that just goes to show you how pathetic it is. And again, on this, on this show, guys, you are welcome to come on and speak your piece, whether it be on Instagram or on Facebook. If you've got something to say, if you've got additional information at this time that you'd like everyone else to know on this nation, on this important, important group that we have. And I love this group to death. And also, you're welcome to go live and say your piece, right? That's what we have it here for. You know, and, and here's, here's something else that I don't understand about how everyone's saying how Florida has just the same amount of COVID, coron- you know, almost the same amount of confirmed COVID cases as New York. Don't you guys understand that they're using any means necessary To have a, you know, account to begin with, with the antibody tests, with the people that actually had it, and now they don't have it, with the people that never had it, but yet the test gave them it, a false positive, and they use that as part of it. Don't you guys understand that we need to factor in all these little things before we say that someone actually has it or not? Like, Florida and Texas may, they may have it right now, but yet they they have a 10th of the death rate. And as you guys know, Florida is the senior citizens haven. There's more senior citizens living in Florida than from anyone from any other different age group or range, but yet they have a 10th of the death rate. Now we already, we already know that Cuomo and Murphy already, you know, magically decided to transport, you know, senior citizens that had COVID-19 into healthy, you know, nursing homes, et cetera, et cetera, and get those people sick and they all died. And no, get they're not being held accountable for that just yet, which reminds me, we should do a rally or a march against them in that respect. But I'm going to, you know, end it here for tonight. It's already been past an hour. I don't want to go too long. And for anyone again that wants to come on next time, we're going to try to do Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday uh, from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I wish you all well at this, you know, at this point, and let's keep the fight. Go to those rallies and marches with me. Stand up, especially if you're a police officer, especially if you're if you're a person that's been falsely accused of racism, if you've been called white privilege or just privilege in general, if you've been called. Some type of a a tyrant for being an American, for loving America. This is the time to march against these sick events. So I wish everyone well and until next time, stay relentlessly patriotic. Take care.